hey, Dad, didn't you grow up around here? Didn't you move over in this area? And I said, yeah. And they said, hey, can, can we look at the house? And I started telling them in third grade we moved and I was extremely upset with my parents because they didn't ask me whether I wanted to move or not. I didn't get a vote in this thing. And I thought, how dare you just move me from my friends, from my old neighborhood, from my school, and put me in a new house, which I didn't know the streets. In third grade, I couldn't figure out what street went where. I had to go to a new school. I had to leave my old friends behind. And that transition really upset my world. Has anybody ever been through that? Yeah? Maybe some of you had a transition of getting married. <laughs> and of course, your love and, and, and you're in love and everything's going to be roses and beautiful. And then uh, you, you find yourself crying yourself to sleep at night. <laughs> transition, change. And then how many of you found that marriage failing or breaking up unexpectedly? And then that breaks your heart. Transition is hard, isn't it? Sometimes to go from one thing to another is the hardest thing in the world. And I want to speak about that tonight. Jesus spoke of a transition that was coming to the earth that was going to be pretty radical. And everyone in this room that has accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior has gone through this transition and is going through this transition. And it can be very, very traumatic. We get really excited about accepting Jesus and having a Savior and we don't realize that there's a war now over our soul. There's a battle going on, and there are going to be more people who don't like us. So, change is situational, but transition is a matter of identity. I want you to catch hold of that phrase. Just to have a change is, is just a matter of, you know, some kind of a situation that goes from one thing to another. But true transition changes your identity. Now, when your identity gets changed, there may be an identity crisis. And how many of you are still maybe in that identity crisis between who you were in the world and who you are in the kingdom? Many Christians stay in crisis between the two. And they don't make the full transition into the kingdom of God. And this will cause you a heartache. It really will. Now, what Paul says in Colossians is, he has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son. He has delivered us. He's taken us out of the kingdom of darkness and put us into the kingdom of his glorious light. All right? Now that's a transition. That's an identity change. And if you have not made that change in your identity, if you think it is simply just a matter of a new set of principles you're adding to who you are, you're missing it. You have to die to the old way of life. You have to be crucified, dead, buried, and gone to be transferred into the kingdom of light. All right? It's, and, and this is one of the major problems we're having in the church today. We are not transferring people out of a kingdom of darkness into a kingdom of light. We're telling people, would you like to have Jesus added to your life? That is not being born again. That is not salvation. We don't want Jesus added to our way of life. 
Jesus will have none of that. He said, you must pick up your cross and follow me. In other words, die. Right? Paul said, we were bought with a price. We are no longer our own. And so we are purchased by God. And we are taken out of a domain of darkness and put into the light and into the kingdom of His Son where you have a new identity. That is a glorious identity. And again, many Christians have an identity crisis. They don't understand all their rights and privileges and inheritance of their identity in Christ. And that's what we want to help people understand. We want to teach them and help them understand what they have come into. So you might find that you're in some crisis of transition. The new, there's a new climate, a new identity, a new culture, a new paradigm shift. When I moved from my old street to my new street, there were all new people that I had to get to know. I didn't know where the light switches were in my house. I had to figure out how to turn lights on and off in this house. It was a different basement. It was a different floor print, right? Do you understand what I'm saying? I was walking into walls in the dark and stuff. There's a whole new paradigm in the kingdom of light. You don't operate out of the kingdom of darkness in the kingdom of light. Does that make sense to you? The way you used to get around in the old life is not how you get around in the new life. You might have cheated, steal, lied to protect yourself. You lay yourself out in the new life. You don't protect yourself. You give all to the glory of God. Whole paradigm shift. And that takes time. And that takes us as people to work with one another to help each other. Okay? So let's help people in that transition. Christians love to say, ooh, that's wrong, that's bad, you're doing it wrong. Well, they're trying to find a whole new identity. Help them out a little bit. Amen? Amen? Help them out a little bit. Now, let's turn to John 15, and I want to show you some principles that Jesus teaches about this process of transforming from one kingdom into another. In John chapter 15, we start at verse 18. It says this, If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. All right, he's trying to give us some comfort there. That he's in that category as well. In fact, he was there first. So he made and prepared a home for you <laughs> in your discomfort. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world... But I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Now let's look at the dynamic of that, okay? There we go. All right, if you're of the world, then the world loves you. Okay? Real simple. If you're of the world, and that means the, the mores and the principles and the cultural identity of let's say american culture or 21st century culture and, and you're just like totally absorbed into that they love you but jesus goes on to say i have taken you out of the world in fact he goes on to say i have chosen you out of the world All right and paul told us he took us out of the kingdom of darkness put it the entire world is in the kingdom of darkness the entire world is lost and going to hell Every human being in the world is under sin and condemnation. It happened in the garden. Every human being born 
is dying, going to hell. Except for those who are born again, those who have accepted Christ. He came for all people to accept. He displayed his love openly. It's been preached now for 2,000 years. It's available to anybody that wants it. It's our job to preach it and to declare it. And when people come to that cross of salvation, they are called out of the world and taken out of the world. Now that's again where there needs to be a clear distinction, doesn't there, to help the people who are in the world find their way out? But if the church has commingled with the world, there's a blurred line and people don't understand that they were called out of the world. You ever hear people who say, i got one foot in the world and one foot on the church? That's a painful place to be. You ever hear people talking about walking the fence? Right? It is. It's double-minded. Now, you can't be, and if you are, you're a most miserable person. Let me tell you the situation of who is in that condition. There are those who believe they have one foot in the world, one foot in the church. Two groups of people. One who has a foot in the world and the one who has a foot in the church is a person who's not saved but thinks he's saved because he goes to church or does Jesus things. All right? Now, that could be the condition of someone. And they're not saved. And again, it's easier nowadays because a lot of churches do not teach being born again, sanctified, holy, and, and the cross. And so they can go and, and be fine in the church on one day and then the rest of the week do what they want. And so they think they're saved because some affiliation with a group, but they've not been personally in the kingdom through Jesus Christ. So that's an unsaved person who thinks they're saved. The other people who are straddling the fence would be someone who's in the church and in the world. That's a believer who is backslidden and doing things in the world. That is a most miserable position. Because they have a spirit of holiness, the Holy Spirit, right? A a spirit that is teaching them truth and sanctification and holiness, but they're dragging it in the mud. And they're doing what they want to do. And they can't find peace. Ever been there? I have. It's a very miserable place to be. It's a double-minded place. God would want you out of, get your foot out of that world and get into this, get into the transition of things right? Now again, what would help clarify that is a distinction between the world and the kingdom of God. I think it's coming. A greater distinction is coming. Do you know what will give a greater distinction between the world and the church? Persecution. Tribulation. Yeah. Guess who used that first? Jesus. He did over his church early on in the book of Acts. The early church would not leave Jerusalem. All right? They were told by Jesus to become witnesses in Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world and to therefore go, correct? And they didn't. And they stayed in Jerusalem. And it says that God sent persecution. And because persecution came to the church, guess what happened? They went out into all the world. (laughs) All right? All right, so God is going to bring another distinction. And we can look at this as, you know, we we pray for our nation. I pray that it doesn't get lost. I I pray that this tide of sin would stop. If if any of you heard of the MTV uh, awards and, and, and activities that went on the other night, man, that was the horror of Babylon going on through that thing. It was crazy. 
But uh, uh, if there's a distinction for you, I think it's coming. And, and I think when persecution comes, the church will get stronger. We keep, how many of you pray for revival? How many of you pray for the church to rise up in strength? Then get ready for persecution. <laughs> we all want to, we want to avoid that. But historically, that's what causes a distinction between the church and the world because the, world, the church loves the world too much. So in order to, for there to be a distinction between the world and the church, the world has to hate the church. Does this make sense to you? It's not comfortable, but it is true. It is reality. In order for the church to be distinct from the world, the church has to be hated by the world. Why? Let's read. Glad you asked that question. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. So if they persecuted Jesus and you are acting like Jesus, the result should be what? They would persecute you. If they accepted Jesus' word, they will accept yours. So there is a group of people who will accept the word of God and there are a group of people who will reject the word of God. So they will either persecute you or obey you. And that's how you draw people out of the world into the kingdom. And so you step out. We are not of the world. We were called out of the world. Let me, let me stop right there, though, real quick. Because that's too awesome of a thought. Look around this room, if you could. Could you just look around the room? Look at these people. See these people? How is it that this group of people, how is it you got called into the kingdom of heaven. I'm always fascinated by that. I'm always asking myself, of all the billions of people on planet earth, how did you get in the kingdom of God? How did you get called into the kingdom of God? You asked, you got called, because he loved you first and woke you up. Yeah, amen, I'm with you. I'm with you, David. And, and what happened, though, is you got called out of this world. Isn't that amazing? Who are we? What a gift. And we responded. We responded because we recognized our condition. Many times, brothers and sisters, your love and compassion wants to rescue someone, and it is, that's when God's trying to crush them so that they'll call out to him. Sometimes you have to let people hit the bottom so that God, they'll turn to God instead of you. Amen? But it is amazing to me that he called us out of this. Now, the world's not going to like that. And Jesus goes on to say that the distinction between the church or his disciples and the world will be distinct because they hated him. He goes on to say this, if they persecuted me, they'll persecute you. If they kept my word, they'll keep yours. But all these things they will do to you on account of my name because they do not know him who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not have been guilty of sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. All right, stop there. That's why they hate us. What do we represent? Light. In a very simple analogy, he says we're in the kingdom of light. They're in a kingdom of what? Darkness. They cannot see. Jesus is the light of the world. He said the reason why people hate me 
is because I called them out on sin. He did that by dying for all of us, calling all of us sinners. There's none righteous, no, not one. That's offensive. I remember as a young man, I grew up in church. I'm going to confess my heart before you right now. I remember as a young man, I grew up in church. All right, My mom was a church secretary from the littlest age. I, was, I lived in the church. I played in church. And, and, and I grew up in the church. And I remember studying the book of Romans when I was a little bit older. And I remember Romans chapter 3. And it said, there are none righteous, no, not one. No man seeks God. That offended me. I was offended because I thought, I do. I seek God. It was good that it offended me. Because I thought, I grew up in church. And, and I had this attitude that I'm good. Why does that verse offend me? And when I realized it was saying my nature as a person before you come to Christ, there's none good, none that seek after God. So the world hates Jesus because the world is now condemned through the gospel. It's been condemned already. What happened is the gospel showed up to say, I'm here to save you. And the, and the world says, we don't want being saved. Because if we have to be saved, it means we're lost. So they don't like the church because the church reminds them they're lost and they're sinners. Now, if the church is doing its job and being a light in a dark place, they will grind their teeth and hate that light. Shut it off! When I was a kid, I used to play in bar bands. I had a, a, a band that we played, you know, cover band, top 40, all this. And we used to play at, at bars where people went to listen to music back then. They did. Uh, I'm sh they also drank and did stupid stuff. But a lot more people went to listen to music. Now, I didn't drink and this and that, and God called me out of it. I understand that. But I used to go play because I loved the music, and we'd play, you know? And I'll never forget, we'd, we'd play, and, and the bar would close like at 2 in the morning and all this. And we're playing our last set and playing the music and this and that. We're packing up. And, so the, and then the bar owner wants everybody else, so he turns the light on. Man, it was like cockroaches. It was such a visual for me to see because they didn't want the lights on because you turn the lights on and these people are ugly. <laughs> they're ugly drunk, slappy drunk. They think they're beautiful. They're not. Right? You know, they're all decked out. You turn that light on, it's like, hey, shut the light off. You know what I'm talking about because <laughs> many of you were there. <laughs> I saw you running out the back door. Do you see what I mean, right? Nobody wants to have their issues pointed out. And, and isn't that the biggest word out now? Don't judge me, man. Who are you to judge me? It's just the gospel. I'm just showing you what is right and what is wrong. You can't judge me. How dare you judge whether uh, love's between a man and a woman or two guys or two girls or whatever? How dare you judge me for this or judge for that? Right? You don't know my situation. The gospel is going to be hated by the world because it's not of this world. All right? It's not of this world. And again, the distinction has to be there. How many of you found that you lost friends when you transitioned into the light? They didn't like you. They didn't like who you were hanging with. And they didn't like what you represented. And so they came against you. Now, you have to thank God for that. But some of us Many of us here have got to make the full transition. Okay? 
Let's go on. He said, if I had not done among them the works that no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have seen and hated both me and my Father. But the word that is written in their law must be fulfilled. They hated me without a cause. But when the Helper comes, that's the Holy Spirit, whom I send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, He will bear witness about me, and you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. So the Spirit of God that comes to dwell in you is a Spirit of truth. He is a Spirit of light. He is a Spirit of holiness. He is a Spirit of love. Right? He's a Spirit of judgment, of righteousness. All these things are now in you. And you represent the very things that offend the world. So if you're trying to stay friends with the world, you're in a losing battle. If you want to be saved, you can't be the world's friend. You've changed addresses. You've changed masters. You've changed identity. Some of us, I I keep putting myself in there just so that everybody feels comfortable. (laughs) Come with me. All of us need to make a full transition out of that kingdom. And if there's something still dragging and holding on, cut it off. It's time to cut it loose tonight. Amen? All right, transitional change. Listen to this. Many people fail to realize that every transition begins with an ending. That's powerful. Every transition begins with an ending. Some of you have not put an end to certain things in your life. You've been transitioned out of that world, but you didn't settle the issue. Some of you have not put an end to it. Some of you are carrying on with it, hanging on with it, whether it's a person, whether it's an addiction, whether it's a habit, whether it's something, you're still doing the things that the enemy put his claws into you, and you're not transitioning because you never put an end to it. You just brought it in with you. All right? Smells like the world. We've got a mixed fragrance. You ever been around people who have mixed fragrances? Be around me on a Sunday afternoon. After I hug so many people, I've got like 37 perfumes on me. (laughs) That's a mixed fragrance. You can't hug the world and hug Jesus. It stinketh. As Lazarus was in the tomb. By now, Lord, he stinketh. Yes, he does. He was in a tomb with death. Get him out of there. And what did Jesus say? Take the grave clothes off. All right, so many of you have been transitioned out of a kingdom of darkness into a kingdom of light, but you haven't ended some of the things on that journey. They need to go back. They need to be not part of your identity anymore. Okay? Many of you thank God for the grace that got you there, but you're abusing the grace of God. Well, I'm covered and I'll just keep it going. There's a real grace message right now that's just going on saying, hey, thank God you're saved, you're good, and uh, that's all you need. It'll cover all your sins, so you know, do what you got to do, and God loves you. Really? I'm sorry. What's the name of the Spirit of God? Oh, yeah. That's His attribute. That is His nature. You've been given, flip it around as Paul does in Romans, you've been given the Spirit of holiness. So how can I carry the stuff from 
into the transition of light from that dark place. How can I carry that when He sealed me with a spirit of holiness? Those two things don't mix. Amen? All right. Now, so how are we supposed to illuminate the way into the kingdom of light, into the kingdom of holiness? And may I say very quickly, the definition of holiness, you can find it in Galatians 5.22. Most people don't even know what holiness means. They think it's the length of hair and the length of skirts and the length of, and the attitude by which you talk. The, the, the very fruit of holiness is love, joy, peace, gentleness, goodness, patience, self-control. That defines holiness. How many of you want that? Well, you already got it. It's already yours. Now live it out. Now when you're living that out, you're fully manifesting the kingdom of God and the new identity you have. So what fellowship does light have with darkness when the spirit of holiness is in you how can that spirit of holiness be in you while you're cursing out the driver who cut you off oh he's there but you got some things you need to put an end to right you're carrying them over from that kingdom attitudes, behaviors, all sorts of residue that we're bringing from the kingdom of darkness. And if we would come into the kingdom of lightness fully and ask God to kill that stuff off of us, then we would see a clear distinction between the world and the church. That's what's lacking today. Now, let me show you what I mean. Real basic. God called you what? Out of the world. And in the process of coming out of the world, he needs to also get the world out of you. That's a process. How's he going to get the world out of you if you physically keep going back to the world? So there's a physical aspect to that, a lifestyle aspect to that, and a spiritual aspect to that. So let's take the the, the practical first, and that is getting out of the world okay i told you i used to play in bar bands well as i got more serious about god i mean i loved god back then too but as i got more serious about god the holy spirit would say what are you doing in this place one of the main nights that that happened is i remember we were playing late at night uh and we're we're playing a song called give me some lovin do you remember that song give me some loving and so we're playing give me some loving right and as we're playing that song a fight breaks out in the bar and these guys are fighting and they're fighting back and forth and i'm in i'm playing drums and i'm watching this and i'm going give me some loving hey every day and they're going, fighting over here they bust into the kitchen you hear pots and pans and we're going we're the theme track the insanity of it and the Lord said, really? <laughs> really? And I was like, yeah, you're right. Really? I had to tell the band, I can't do this anymore. What do you mean you can't do this anymore? The Lord's convicted me. I can't do this. This is stupid. I don't need to entertain these fools. <laughs> Thank God I got out. But you see what I'm saying? you got to get out of the places you're at. I mean, literally, if you're still visiting the things that were of the world, how are you going to get the world out of you? Does that make sense to you? 
There are certain patterns of behavior you picked up in the world. There are certain ideologies in the way you treat others and look at others. Paul says we are to no longer look at others according to the world, but now we look at all people according to Christ. So so, uh, men, I'll just put it out there, men, you're so used to looking at naked women and, and provocative women uh, that you can't look at a sister in the Lord without wondering what she looks like with her clothes off. Oh, I'm sorry, am I getting a little bit too... Am I right? Because there's a pattern of behavior in your mind that you didn't get out of you. Let's get this stuff out of us, right? I'll go after you women now. Ladies, you used to chatter and gossip and slander and this and that, and you're in the church still doing it. And that's a pattern of the world. You, gotta, you can't visit that. Let's get rid of it, right? So there are things in the world we have got to leave behind. Now, I don't have to go any further with this. The Holy Spirit can do a good job. So we've got to get the world out of us. Thank God He saved us and put us into the kingdom. But how many of our minds, emotions, and sensations are still in the world? You've got to put an end to it. If there's a transition here, we've got to draw a line. Jesus drew a line in the sand. What side of that line do you want to be on? And I thank God for the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. Because it's a two-edged sword, and I love what it says, to the dividing, or in the King James, cutting asunder. Asunder. I don't know what asunder is, but I think it hurts. (laughs) Just tonk. Between the bone and the marrow. Now, God showed me something with that verse, and I'll close it up. But God showed me something with that verse. He's talking about the high priest. He's talking about the the Old Testament and all that. And out of nowhere, he says, and the word of God is a sharp two-edged sword that divides asunder between the bone and the marrow. And the Lord illuminated to me the ministry of the priesthood. Do you know what they were? Butchers, basically. You'd bring a sacrifice, and they had to cut the meat and the bone from the fat and prepare it for sacrifice. He's giving you an illustration that what God does with His Word is He cuts away from the flesh and the Spirit. You want to offer a sacrifice to God, He cuts asunder. He cuts, take that cleaver and goes smack between what is of the worldly ways and what is of God. He wants to cut it out of our lives. And we've got to make this transition. It's scary. And sometimes it's painful Sometimes we feel so bad about ourselves that we're so lost. Look, you couldn't do it on your own. He had to bring His Spirit to get you saved. He'll get His Spirit to continue to bring you into freedom and to continue to work. All He wants you to do is be cooperative. And He'll do that work for you. So when He points something out, agree with Him. Follow Him. And so last of all, I say this. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. That's your spiritual or reasonable act of worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, that what is good and acceptable and perfect. So you're being transformed. You're being no longer conformed to the patterns of this world. All right? Church worship shouldn't look like Lady Gaga. Church worship is not a rock show. Right? The church is not a a lounge to make you comfortable. 
This is an act of worship to a holy God. When we come together, we fall on our face, we hear from the majesty of God Himself. Amen? There's a distinction between the church worship and the world's idolatrous worship. Last of all, John who wrote this gospel says this. John's a real black and white guy. He just puts it out there. Real straightforward. And what he says this in 1 John 2, verses 3 and 6, And by this we know that we have come to know Him if we keep His commandments. Whoever says, oh, I know Him, but does not keep His commandments is a liar. Could you imagine if you started calling everybody that says they're a Christian but doesn't hold to the commands of God? You're a liar. Well, you you better not call them that unless your testimony holds up. So we'll take it personally first. (laughs) And the truth is not in him, but whoever keeps his word, in him truly the love of God is perfected or completed. We're all in that process of perfection. By this we may know that we are in Him. Whoever says he abides in Him ought to walk in the same way in which He walked. You don't measure yourself to the pastor. You don't measure yourself to the great saints of old. You measure yourself to one man. The one mediator between God and man. The man Christ Jesus. Right? He is our pattern. He is the one we walk after. And as He said, they will treat you the way they treated me, if you walk like me. Who wants to walk like Jesus? You serious? See, you know what's coming then. Right? Get ready for it. Let's have a greater distinction from the world. Amen? It's time to... Uh, my brother, I, I love that Robert, what you said, he outed. The Christians came out of the closet. They were outed. <laughs> it's true. Let's show up. Amen? Let's ask God for that help. How many of you need that help tonight? I, I, I do. There's some stuff lingering in me. I just need it chopped off. Jesus, please. Right? There are still some attitudes in, in the way I think that are, that are of the world and not the kingdom. So, Father, help us right now, Jesus, in your holy name. Father, please, minister.